Fishing like a local isn't just about catching fish. It's about connecting with the environment and the people who call it home. It's about hearing the stories and traditions that have been passed down for generations and sharing unforgettable moments with the people you meet along the way. Fishing like a local is having an experience that stays with you forever. And with Fishing Booker, you can experience it too, no matter where you are. Discover your next adventure on Fishing Booker. When you love meat, you find a way to take it with you everywhere you go, especially when it comes to getting outdoors. That's why Smithfield has so many high-quality, delicious meats that are perfect for any outdoor adventure. Whether the park you're headed to is a national park or just the one down the street, like Smithfield marinated roasted garlic and cracked black pepper fresh pork tenderloin, expertly seasoned for on-the-go flavor, or prime fresh smoked ham that'll have you building on-the-go sandwiches packed with flavor. Smithfield Extra Meaty Back Ribs bring hand-selected perfection to the backyard, and Smithfield Anytime Favorites will help you take the ham you savor to the places you love. From diced ham that'll turn any picnic into an outdoor feast, to hickory smoked boneless ham steaks that are the perfect cap to any hike. The great outdoors just got greater with Smithfield. For the love of meat. All right, everybody, welcome to another episode of the Nomad Strength Show. I'm Ross Hillier, your host. Today on the solo show for today is one that is a fun topic that I posted a little prompt up on Instagram. So if you guys don't follow me on Instagram at Coach Ross Hillier, do that because I do these little prompts all the time to get some good ideas for some of these solo shows, things that you guys want to hear me talk about. And uh, so that's where I get a lot of ideas. I mean, I have a lot of ideas myself, don't get me wrong, but sometimes it's nice to know exactly what you guys want me to talk about so I can do that for you. So one of the things that I've wanted to do since I started this was it's more fun than, you know, really educational. It's just kind of a fun thing is the top five list. And I do, this is a, just a topic of conversation with me and my friends is like top five lists. And for those of you that have seen the old movie with uh, John Cusack and Jack Black called High Fidelity. That's a very central theme of that whole movie is they make top five lists for everything. If you haven't seen that movie, it's hilarious and fantastic. So go watch it because it's one of my favorite movies ever. Uh, but that is just something that's been a part of my life is making top five lists for stuff. So I thought it'd be fun to do an episode of it. So when I posted on Instagram about what are some good top five lists you guys want me to compile, I got so many responses uh, that I didn't want to turn it just one episode into one of those top five lists. So I decided I'm going to do probably several different episodes utilize, utilizing all of the different prompts that you guys gave me. And uh, so this one, we're going to do four top five lists. Uh, and then maybe we'll do one next week. Maybe it'll be a couple weeks from now. We'll do another four. And then I think I've got enough for like two more episodes after that. So it was just like tons of responses. And some of them are hilarious, which are great because I want to do those kind of things as well. Uh, so we're going to do four different top five lists today in this episode. And it's going to be fun. Uh, it's going to be actually there are some things that are I would consider educational because some of them were training related. So there's a couple of those in there today. Some of them are pop culture related, which there's some of those in there today. Um, but yeah, so we're gonna have a good time with it. So before we get into that, you already know what I'm going to say, please go like, like, 
review, rate, subscribe, all of those things wherever you listen to the podcast. And uh, I appreciate, really, I really appreciate all of you that do that and have done that already. And there's been some great reviews up on Apple Podcasts and I love reading those things. And that really does help the show to grow. So thank you for all of you who have done that already. So uh, without further ado, let's dive into our top five lists, the top five episodes, top five episodes. That is actually one of them, but the top five lists and Megapod part one is what I'm going to call this. So uh, we're going to start with top five. And this was, again, these are all ones that I got in response to the prompt. So I didn't come up with any of these today. I am, I compiled all of these lists after I got all of these prompts back. So this one was top five Lord of the Rings characters. And this one actually was kind of fresh on my mind, oddly enough, uh, because we just watched the whole trilogy this winter, maybe maybe three, maybe around January-ish, uh, because my wife had actually never seen the trilogy all the way through. She had seen most of the first one and had never seen the rest of the trilogy. So we actually... Uh, partitioned them out over the course of like two weeks, uh, did it more of a Netflix series style thing where we <laughs> turned a three hour movie into three or four 45 minute episodes rather than watching them all the way through <laughs> and did it that way. It was a lot easier for us as parents who have, you know, go to bed early now and, and are old people to stay awake for all of them, to be honest with you. So that was the way that we did this. So I'm going to go five to one on all of these lists. And some of these will have, you know, not just referring to the Lord of the Rings one here, but uh, on all of these, some of these may have some, you know, really great descriptions as to why I put them in the places. Some of them, I'm just going to name the list and, and kind of go from there. It didn't, some of these were just in the moment what I wanted to rank them as. So with this one, number five, Elrond of Rivendell. And honestly, the reason that I love him so much in these movies is just because I love the actor, uh, because I always think of him as Mr. Smith from The Matrix. And he does a ton of other stuff. He's awesome. But he is one of my favorite characters just because I love that actor so much. And he's got a pretty awesome story from being one of the original, uh, back when they did all the flashbacks to the original battle with Sauron. He was there and was there when he, uh, Isildur should have destroyed the ring the first time. I'm going to try not to nerd out so much uh, on this. So I'm going to go pretty brief through here. Number four, Legolas. Uh, he was actually one of the ones that I made me want to start getting into bow hunting when I was really little. Obvious, uh, not obviously, but surprisingly, because uh, he was awesome. And I was, let's see, I was like 10, nine, maybe nine years old when the first movie came out. So he was just the biggest badass of the bunch, in my opinion, which is why I liked him. Uh, number three, Aragorn. Number two, Samwise. And right there, if I've listed all four of these right now, a lot of people would already have one of those as their number one. Uh, but the reason that I have this as number one for me is just because of the books, actually. When I actually read the books, he was my favorite character in all of the books because I think they do a lot more with him in the trilogy of the writing than they did in the books even though he was still a central figure and that is Gandalf. Um, if you've read the books, I think they they do some really more in-depth stuff with him throughout the the series of writings than they did in the, in the movies and, and there's just, you know, even in a three-hour movie, you've only got so much time to tell a story and so 
I think a lot of stuff that they did with him was was some of the stuff that was missing for me when they did the movie. So let's, moving on from that list, let's wrap it up. Five, Elrond, the top five Lord of the Rings characters. Five, Elrond. Four, Legolas. Three, Aragorn. Two, Samwise. One, Gandalf. Both iterations, gray and white. Uh, so that's pop culture question number one. There's going to be two pop culture questions in here, two training questions in here, or lists rather. Uh, second top five list. Top five workouts for busy dads. So when I hear the term busy dads, I am just going to assume that we're looking for ones that are going to give you the most effective or bang for your buck things in the shortest amount of time. Uh, and... That's my first response is it's the time constraint, which when people say busy, that's always they're talking about time. There's a lot of other ways that we can talk about uh, ways to train when you're busy that aren't necessarily time-based. It's it, it, We'll get into it another time. I, I The reason I answered this one is because uh, we did the sandbag uh, the sandbag prompt last week and asked me anything. And that's one of the workouts. So I wanted to continue that because that was at the front of my mind as well. So top five workouts for busy dads, five to one. Number five, 400 meters walking lunge. And this is a Corey G special. For those of you who don't know who Corey Gregory is, he is a freak of a human and uh, started this thing probably what, five or six years ago now where he calls it lunge and learn and he'll head to the track after his training in the morning. And this is what he does for his conditioning as he lunges around the track. And he's actually been doing 800 meters for the last like month or so, if I remember checking this morning and he's done that before, but pretty much at least four or five days a week, he lunges around the track 400 meters uh, every time. Sometimes he does a weight vest. I've, he Sometimes he does it backwards. But this this concept was introduced to me from learning from him and watching him uh, years and years and years. Uh, it's awesome. And it's one of my favorite conditioning methods. It's one of my favorite methods for getting volume into your legs. And it's one of my favorite ways to do a ton of knee vol or uh, leg volume without destroying your knees under a bunch of load because you can get tons of blood flow. And honestly, it's when I, and I've done it in the past where I've done, you know, two, three days a week where I've done it for, you know, a handful of months at a time. It's the best that my knees and my low back ever feel is when I'm in the middle of doing a phase like that. And so I'm actually getting ready to do a similar phase, which is also why this was with at the front of my mind, uh, because I tend to do it in the spring and summer months just because it's easier to lunge around the track when it's nicer weather outside. Um, so if you have not done this before, you can be a boss and start with 400 meters, or you can just go, you know, 200 and see how your legs feel then because the thing that's going to happen with the lunges if you can imagine is you're going to get some pretty intense soreness for the next couple of days and the only way you're going to get through it is just to get through it so you can do all the recovery protocols and all that stuff you're still going to be sore but if you're going to continue to do these 400 meters of lunges you just got to do them it'll get better the more you do them and you'll adapt and it'll be uh you know, you'll reach a point where you can cruise through 400 meters and not really stop. And by that point, I promise you're a machine. So that's number five, 400 meters walking lunges. Number four, pretty simple, run. Uh, that's, I mean, there's a bunch of different ways to do it. Hill sprints, distance, hiking, rucking, all that kind of stuff. You can run. Uh, 
we're talking about time, you dictate the time, right? If you've got 30 minutes, go, you know, warm up for 10, run for 20. You know, do something like that. You can warm up for 10, do uh, 15 hill sprints at 40 yards a piece, walk back your rest and then cool down. And then you've, I mean, it's still half hour. You can really dictate a lot more when you're doing a running workout because it's not, unless you're doing a time trial of some sort. Um, But it's, you know, versatile, it's effective. You can do all kinds of different things with it. Pretty simple there. Speaking of simple, number three, straight from Pavel, simple and sinister. This is one of my favorite kettlebell workouts ever uh, because it's effective, it's efficient, and that's why we're putting it in this list. So the way that it's going to go is you're going to do 10 one-arm Russian kettlebell swings on each side, and then you're going to do one Turkish getup on each side with that same bell. Okay? You can, if you want to follow the actual uh, the actual protocol from the, from the, from the guide, sorry, from the guide, you can, I believe it's 10 rounds and you'll do five on each side. Uh, so, and then to finish it up, you're going to do 10 minutes of Russian kettlebell swings two hand and your goal is to do a hundred in 10 minutes. So you can break that up 10 each minute, uh, obviously, and that's easy way to do it and then just start at the top of each minute. But that is the simple and sinister. You can change it up and do different rounds and different uh, durations and reps and stuff. But uh, 10 one-arm swings into a Turkish getup on one side and then 10 one-arm swings into a Turkish getup on the other. And that is one round, okay? Uh, if you like I said, if you do ten rounds and you do five on each side, I mean, you you can change it up however you want. But that's simple and sinister. It's one of my favorite effective kettlebell workouts. All you need is literally a single kettlebell to do it, and it's awesome. Uh, number two is more of a methodology rather than a specific workout, and it's an EMOM style, which stands for every minute on the minute. So you will set a timer, uh, or sorry, not necessarily a timer. You're just going to set a stopwatch at the start of the minute. Whatever exercises you've chosen to do in whatever rep scheme you've chosen to do them, you're going to start and do that exercise when the timer goes off. So say, for example, uh, you're going to do, let's just make up one on the spot here. You're going to do five push-ups, 10 squats. Now let's just do, let's just do it for the sake of this. Five push-ups, 10 squats, bodyweight squats. Okay. You hit the timer, set, go. You do your five push-ups, your 10 squats. Let's say it takes you 25 seconds to do uh, those two exercises of 15 reps total. So now you've got 35 seconds of rest before the start of the next minute. At the start of the next minute, you're going to do it again. So it's a very controlled rest period is the reason that this is so effective. You're not lollygagging around in between sets, checking your phone, walking around, losing track of time. You're very strict with the time duration that it's taking you to perform these workouts. So you can do all kinds of different uh, workout methods, modalities within the sets, rep schemes. There's all kinds of great uh, workouts that follow the EMOM protocol. And the reason it's so popular is because of that time constraint factor. It makes it really easy to stay focused on time. And when you see a 15-minute EMOM, you know that I'm going to be working hard for 15 minutes. It's not going to be 15 minutes that turns into 35. So uh, there's some load and some things that you want to make sure you're doing and getting adequate rest in those times. My sweet spot at the at the most intense level, I usually don't work more than 45 seconds on any given round total, it, depending on however many exercises I'm doing, I usually try to get at least 15 seconds. Because here's the thing, 
it doesn't always work out that way because if you're working and you're the more rounds you do, the more tired you're going to get, the slower your reps are going to be, the shorter your rest time is going to be. And it's going to sometimes be the case where you carry over into the next minute and you just don't get a rest that minute. That happens. Uh, but you want to give yourself, at least at the beginning, the, the concept of having some built-in rest time to recoup and get ready for the next round. So alternating EMOMs uh, are great. And then number one is actually what we put in the episode last week. So we started this one, number five, 400 meters walking lunge. We're going to end this one, 400 meters sandbag carry. So I did a huge breakdown on this in last week's episode in the Ask Me Anything. So if you want more info on that, just go back and listen to that one. Short episode, so it's not going to be something you got to really dig for. Um, so moving on. That was the top five busy dad workouts, 400 meter walking lunge, running, simple and sinister, uh, EMOM style, and then 400 meter sandbag carry. Now we're going to actually get specific with the sandbag. And this one, it's specific, but it's very easy to answer these ones for me. It was top five sandbag exercises. So number one, because number one is that if number one workout is sandbag carry, number one exercise is going to be a sandbag carry for me. So we're actually already going to give away number one. So number five is going to be a version of a Turkish getup with a sandbag. So obviously you can't necessarily do this with 150 pound sandbag unless you're some kind of freak, which, you know, you may exist out there. And if you're listening to this, bravo. Uh, but the idea of doing a Turkish getup with a sandbag on top of your hand rather than a kettlebell is you're obviously utilizing a lot more stability by adjusting to the shifting nature of the sand in the sandbag. It makes it much tougher. So I would definitely recommend you start with a much lighter sandbag on this than you would even do a kettlebell with just to get used to the different uh, modality of the sandbag with this exercise. Um, makes it much more challenging. You're not going to need as much weight to do it. So start lighter and then add some sand or grab a different bag that's a little bit heavier once you can kind of get this down. Okay, so that's number five. Number four is going to be a sandbag toss because we have to have some explosive movements in there. Uh, you can do this with as heavy of a bag as you can toss up into the air. You can do, my favorite way to teach it is to do it kind of like a kettlebell swing where you're hinging back. You're not squatting really low because we're not generating a lot of power when we squat super low like that in terms of explosiveness. You generate far more explosive power in a hinge pattern like a kettlebell swing. So, you can hold it on the sides of the bag depending on how the bag is and then the goal is just to throw the bag straight up in the air. This is not something that is a very high rep exercise in terms of recommendations. It's much more a in the one to five rep range with a decent amount of rest in between. High explosive stuff like that is very taxing on your nervous system. So you don't want to do stuff like that in very high rep counts. So it's a great uh, finisher to do uh, anywhere from one to five reps, depending on how you're feeling. Uh, sometimes I even do it at the beginning of workouts to get everything really kind of fired up. I I generally don't do it with super heavy weight if I'm doing it at the beginning of a workout uh, because I'm still kind of getting everything firing up. But it's a great exercise to be explosive like that. Uh, number three on the list is uh, overhead press. And the reason that I love this so much with a sandbag is because it really brings back the natural pressing movement for humans, how our bodies are built to push stuff overhead by putting the weight between your hands rather than if you're holding onto a barbell, the weight's outside of your hands and your, and your wrists and your hands are locked in a fixed position by holding onto a barbell. When you're pressing a sandbag, the weight's between your hands, your palms are facing each other and you can press it up like you're putting some up on top of a shelf, right? Uh, that motion by putting your hands facing each other activates much more of your 
chest activates much more of your lats and it's much easier to activate those things rather than just relying on triceps and shoulders to press. So you're, you're utilizing much more of the upper body to press when you're doing it with a sandbag. And then obviously just like with everything else with a sandbag, the nature of the weight shifting around with the sand, that's going to make an extra challenge as well. Um, number two is squat because we've got to have lower body movement on there somewhere. Uh, this one is the one that you can go heavy on because if you can squat a heavy sandbag, bear hug style, pick it up off the ground, bear hug style, a heavy squat, you can, you're just about as strong as most people. You're probably stronger than most people still with a barbell. Uh, a 250-pound sandbag squat is some real man strength stuff. Uh, and if you don't believe me, just go and try it. <laughs> and Tell me how much more difficult it is than a 250-pound squat with a barbell. Even if you can do 250 pounds with a barbell fairly easily, bang it out for reps, it's a different animal altogether to do that same weight with a sandbag. So uh, those are my top five because we already touched on the carry. Uh, so we went get up, toss, press, squat, carry. We're the five-to-one sandbag exercises. And then I saved this one for last because it was my favorite one and I was actually thinking I would wrap up this whole uh, top five list with this one. And if you know me, you know why this was so exciting to me. I was hoping somebody would ask me this. Uh, top five office episodes. Yes. So favorite show of all time. I've watched it far too many times all the way through. And I have thought deeply a lot about this list. <laughs> and... Uh, Honestly, the only one I'm ever sure of is my absolute favorite number one. Everything after that is completely interchangeable, and there's a dozen on this list that could be very interchangeable within two through five. Number one, I am dead set on, but two through five, they could all be in all the other all the other parts. Two could be five, five could be three, four could be two, two could be three, any of that stuff, plus a dozen other episodes that probably should have been on this list. So we're just going to start it off five to one. Episode number five, or number five on the list, top five office episodes, the safety training episode. I believe it's season three uh, when the warehouse does their safety training and they bring the office workers down to watch and Michael wants to run the baler and they always yell at him and they he can't use the baler. And then they go up to do office safety training and they make fun of him because it wasn't real dangerous stuff. And then he goes to buy the bouncy house to demonstrate depression by pretending to jump off the roof and commit suicide. Uh, and it's just a it's a brilliant episode. And it's an episode that, I don't know, it probably would be able to be made today, but I watch this show now and I'm just bummed because I know that 20% of the episodes would never fly if it was on network TV today, which, you know, that's another episode or that's another podcast episode in itself if we want to rail against cancel culture like that. However, we're going to stick with the happy stuff in this episode. So number five, safety training. Uh, number four is going to give me some slack for putting it this low on the list. I know it. Uh, and like I said, all interchangeable. But number four is dinner party, which has been, I believe, named by several different like real publications as one of the most uncomfortable television episodes ever written. And I love the uncomfortable nature of television. And so this is why this is one of my favorite episodes. And it's a lot of people's favorite episodes. But Jan and Michael's dinner party when they invite the couples over, it's just disastrous from the beginning. And it's hilarious and uncomfortable. And it's one of the, actually the episodes where the bloopers are sometimes even funnier than episodes. So if you can go on and watch those bloopers, 
numbers on YouTube or whatever. They're brilliant. Um, that's number four. Number three, uh, Michael Scott Paper Company. When Michael quits because Idris Elba is the new boss at at Dunder Mifflin and he goes to start the Michael Scott Paper Company and he pulls Pam with him and then he goes and gets Ryan from the bowling alley and then he gets, uh, oh, I can't remember the, the Indian guy's name that did the telemarketing business with him or the telemarketing job next to him. Oh, Vikram, Vikram. When he had Vikram come on and they just did the Michael Scott Paper Company and then was poaching Dunder Mifflin clients. There's like four episodes actually that are all that kind of story arc. But, uh, so I kind of put all four of those in one because that's one of my favorite chunks of show in the whole thing. Uh, number two is actually another two part episode. It's the stress relief episode. And most people know this one because of the opening of the first episode of the, of the two, because it's when Dwight holds the fire drill and everybody thinks that the building's on fire and it's all just a drill by him. And, uh, Oscar climbs into the ceiling. Stanley has a heart attack. Like it's one of the most brilliant cold opens of any show ever. And like, I'm counting all sitcoms ever. There's a pretty high list. And most of the ones that are on my list are probably aren't even modern shows. There are a couple of them that are, but some of the old one cold opens are hilarious. But this is, I, I think with the funniest cold open of a sitcom that exists. And that's why it's number two. And then number one, I Someone who's seen this show as often as I have, it took me years before I could say that this was my favorite episode. And I've stuck by it for about a year and a half now since I made that decision. And I'm going to stick by it because it's just too good for it to not be my favorite. And it probably isn't most people's favorites, but it is for mine. And it's the Branch Wars episode. I believe season four when uh, Karen works for the other Utica branch and tries to poach Stanley and then Michael and Jim and Dwight go to Utica dressed up in the fake warehouse uniforms and mustaches and try to steal the copier from Utica as a prank. And the whole, the whole scene when Michael and Dwight are in the building radioing Jim back who's in the car while they're stealing the copier. It's some of the hardest I ever laugh and I still laugh at it every time I watch it. Some of the funniest lines in that show are in that episode. And so that's my favorite. So top five. And you know, if you were to ask me this in a month, other than number one, I might have a totally different two through five. Uh, so number five, safety training, dinner party, Michael Scott Paper Company, stress relief, branch wars. Those are my five don't at me actually do because I want to know what all your guys's are. Cause that's the reason why I did these top five lists. So, uh, that's it. That's all the top five lists we're doing for today. Hopefully you guys had some fun with this one. I had fun putting these lists together. There's some really good ones that I didn't do today that we're going to do on the next top five list episode, whether or not that's next week, I'm not entirely sure yet, but, uh, we'll get those out. And there were some really funny ones on that one too. So we'll get into those. So thank you guys for listening. If you haven't yet, go to nomad-strength.com, sign up for the newsletter. Uh, this week, I actually am launching the beta test for a new six-week group slash course slash program that I'm putting together called the Nomad Way. It is a fundamentals program you're going to learn. It's some deep dive stuff and learning the fundamentals of training, holistic nutrition, mindset, uh, leadership, all of these things that are kind of the foundation of how I coach and what I coach. And you'll learn, so, you're going to learn a ton. It's going to be so much material. Uh, I'm really excited. So this, I'm just launching the beta group this week, which is actually closed already. So 
just because of when I'm releasing this episode, it's already closed. Uh, but the actual course will be unlo- will be launching, I believe, sometime towards the end of May. So uh, I'll talk more about that as the time comes, but that's coming up in the future. So uh, if you want to know about stuff like that, go to nomad-strength.com, sign up for the newsletter, and you will be among the first to know that stuff. So thank you for listening today. Hope you all have a great weekend, and I will see you on Monday for the next interview show. Mm-hmm.